When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's another edition of Behind the Mic with Audiophile Magazine. I'm Joe Reed. Sandy Henschel, contributor to Audiophile, is with me this week. Hey, Sandy, how are you? I'm fine, Joe. How are you doing? I'm good. You got us off to a good start. You had a mystery for Monday. I really like that. What are we having today? Well, today we have Daughters of Sparta by Claire Haywood, read by Mira Dovreni. And the lens through which this story is told colors the history, just like myth does that. It's told from the points of view of Clytemnestra and Helen, Mm. who are the daughters of King Tandarius of Sparta. And the girls were very close as youngsters, but Clytemnestra, being the eldest, was always supposed to inherit the Spartan throne. When she was a child, Helen was briefly abducted by Theseus, and many years later, he begins telling tales about what happened when he abducted her. Now, Tyndareus and Queen Leda are afraid no one will want Helen, so they give Clytemnestra to King Agamemnon to marry, and he's the king of Mycenae, and she will have to move, and that really upsets her. So they hold a contest for Helen's hand, and with it comes the kingdom of Sparta. Agamemnon, who now is married to Clytemnestra, pressures Tyndareus that his brother Menelaus should win Helen's hand. And then all the suitors are made to swear a blood oath to protect him and Helen. And and this is what precipitates the Trojan Wars. Yeah. But this this is told through the perspective of Clytemnestra and and Helen. And do we go through the Trojan War? Where where does it end? It starts when the girls are young mm-hmm. and that we we hear them accepting their fates married to whomever their father chooses for them, which is the way it was with Bronze Age women. And does it end with the war? or It, or ends, does it, end- it ends after the war. After the war. So we go a very long journey through their young lives and through the war and after the war. And we get to finally hear about the war again. I mean, this is what's so interesting about the the Iliad is so compelling as a story, but it has no interiority for the women. We never none at all. We no. never see their perspective. A little bit with Helen, but very very little. It's it's wonderful that authors today, mostly women, of course, are looking at this same monumental right 
point in history from the perspective of women. And boy, things change. This is really a clear view of how little they were expected to do other than marry well and have babies. In the clip that I have today, it shows them as young girls uh, learning how to spin and weave at the loom. Okay, so why don't we hear it now? This is Daughters of Sparta by Claire Haywood, read by Mira Dovreni. The women's room was dim, the walls plain, the air thick and still. As one of the innermost rooms of the palace, it had no windows through which daylight might spill, nor any fresh breeze to break the stagnation. It was summer, and the warm air was made warmer still by the many women who filled the room, lamps and torches illuminating their dark heads and their white working hands. Clytemnestra's woolen dress clung to the sweat of her back as she looked over her shoulder towards the brightest corner of the room. There stood the looms, three large wooden frames with half-finished cloth stretched across them. Only two were being worked at present by the most skilled of the household slaves. Admiring and envious, Clytemnestra watched as they led the shuttles back and forth, building their clever patterns thread by thread. It was like watching a mesmerising dance or the playing of a complex instrument. You know, came Thecla's voice, we could start you on loom work soon. Really? asked Clytemnestra, pulling her eyes from the dancing hands. You're eleven now. In a few years you'll be married. And what kind of wife will you be if you don't know how to weave? I like her voice. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting voice. You know what she does, though, that, that made me a little crazy? She uses the actual Greek pronunciation of Iphigenia, and for a long time I didn't know who she was talking about because she says Iphigenia. Oh, I know. Yeah, I wouldn't know either. Right, it took me a while. But and Iphigenia is the daughter, the daughter of, of Agamemnon. Agamemnon. Exactly. And Clytemestra. And um, there's an evil priest who's angry with Agamemnon and insists that he sacrifice Iphigenia in order for the Greeks to have a win so they can go attack Troy. And that is the turning point for Clytemnestra. She swears her revenge upon him and uh, wishes all kinds of bad things to happen to him. But that's a yeah, terrible... She's not alone in that one. I mean, I hate Agamemnon. It's a poignant and heartbreaking scene because they've fooled the girl to thinking she was coming to marry the hero Achilles. Yeah. And instead they kill her. It's, you know, given the way women are chess pieces just to be moved around. I mean, it, and I think that's why the gods become so compelling because the gods, male and female, they definitely have agency and they use it so that within the Iliad, we actually do get to see female agency. It just isn't happening with the human beings. It's happening in the heavens. Right. And what's very interesting to me is the dramatic irony. We know what's going to happen all the while because we've read these stories so many times before. It's just one of those things that you just say, oh, please don't do that. Don't do that. It's like, don't go down into the cellar. Don't open the basement door. (laughs) Exactly. And they all try constantly to outsmart the um, prophecies, which of course they never can. But that's what makes it heroic. Yeah. And I should remind people, 
with audiobook break or other podcasts, we are listening to the Iliad, composed by Homer and performed by Anton Lesser, published by Naxos Audiobooks. It is wonderful. It's wonderful. So it really is. you just follow audiobook break and new chapters just magically appear in your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. And so it's a nice Daughters of Sparta and audiobook break book the Iliad are very good companion pieces so do follow us they are yes Sandy thank you so much I will talk to you tomorrow okay thank you bye Joe you're welcome bye support for behind the mic comes from Blackstone Publishing publisher of no gods no monsters monsters are real and they want everyone to know it Cadwell Turnbull's acclaimed fantasy novel narrated by Dion Graham. You can find it at Blackstone Publishing.